but let's go to the Lord in prayer before we start. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you tell us that if we put our faith in you to forgive us of our sins, that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Father, I pray that everyone here has put their faith in the Son of God who came to earth 2,000 years ago as a baby boy and died on the cross for their sins and then rose from the dead, showing victory over the grave. And Father, I pray that that would never grow old in our lives. And Father, I pray that you would continue to help us grow in our faith and exercise our faith each and every day. Father, I pray right now that you would feed your people. And I pray that you would use me to do it. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to jump right into the book of First John, chapter 5, verse 1. And it says this. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe His commands. Some of your your scriptures probably say, and obey His commands. Uh, just for the record, I you guys can probably tell by now I'm a pretty straightforward guy. Um, that's probably one of the things that hinders my marriage the most is that generally speaking, ladies are good at dropping hints and men are generally speaking very straightforward and the two are like oil and water sometimes. First John is a man's book. You want to know where you stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You read the book of First John and he will plainly tell you what you do or don't want to hear. And he doesn't give any apologies. Whoever believes, verse 1, that Jesus is Christ is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. And then he says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. And so the implication is that if you don't love God and observe His commandments, then you're not born of God. For this is the love of God, verse 3, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so it says very plainly that for whatever is born, this is verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so brothers and sisters, through your faith in Jesus Christ, you overcome the world. What is this world we're speaking of? If you flip back about one or two pages, still in 1 John, go to chapter 2. And we have a little bit of a description of what John is referring to as the world. And he says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father... But it's from the world. The world is passing away and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now, a couple more pages to your right. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. says this. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come... And has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. And so I'm just going to be back in John, First uh, John chapter 5 verse 1 through 5. And he says, whoever, this is verse 4. 
For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And just want to just just stir you up by way of remembrance to remind you that your faith in God is not futile. Right? Your faith in God is your key to overcoming the world. And so, how in the world does faith in God overcome the world? I'm, I'm glad you asked. Uh, John, not in 1 John, but you can turn there if you want to, but I'm only going to read one verse. John chapter 15, excuse me, John chapter 16, verse 33. So Jesus is, this is, if you want a good laugh at lunchtime, just read most of John chapter 16. It's pretty funny. Jesus says some real simple things and the disciples are just scratching their head like, what in the world is he talking about? And then at the end of that discourse, he tells them, this is John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And so you'll find that if you keep reading uh, the things that John writes, oftentimes he talks about uh, the spiritual world is the world. So he's talking about Satan and all of Satan's uh, entourage being the world. That's why he says, don't be of this world, but be of a different world. It says you can't love the world and love God. And so he's talking about when he says the world, the, the things of Satan. And so Jesus tells his disciples, take heart, I've overcome the world. How is it that Jesus has overcome the world? So Jesus comes to this earth. He comes as a baby. He lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And then he doesn't stay dead, but he raises from the dead on the third day to give victory over the grave. And he henceforth defeats Satan and death. All of that you'll find in the book of Romans. And so Jesus, the son of God, overcomes death and he overcomes the world. And then you, through faith in Jesus Christ, can have the same benefits that he had. So he did all of the work. You get all of the benefits of his hard work through your faith in Jesus Christ. And there isn't any better news in the world. Because, listen to this. Let's have a heart-to-heart just for a second. I get so frustrated when I have spiritual conversations with people about going to heaven... And the conversation goes in the direction where the person says, well, I'm a good person. Right? You will never overcome Satan and the world by being a good person. Right? One person overcame the world. That's Jesus Christ. And if you have any shot of getting into heaven at all, it is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because your goodness is as filthy rags, Paul says. And so, just just heart to heart, man to man, man to woman, briefly... Think in your mind that if you stood before God right now and he said, why should I let you into my kingdom? Listen to me very closely. If your definition of why you should get into heaven has anything to do with how good of a person you are, there's a good chance that you haven't been understanding anything that I've been preaching ever. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I just, listen, people are dying all around us in Bertie County. And it seems like it a pretty good clip. And I just want you to know. From your pastor to you. If you're here and you think that you're going to get heaven. Because you're good. You're wrong. If your 
reasoning for getting into heaven is anything other than Jesus paid your debt on the cross and he forgave you of your sins by faith through grace, you're not understanding the things that we're preaching. And if you say, well, well then, preacher, I, I don't understand. Do this for me. Call me this week and let's have a, let's have a sit down and let's just walk through your faith. Let's walk through your story and let me share what the Bible says directly to you and to your life. Because if you're here and you want a relationship with Jesus Christ, you want to know for sure that you would go to heaven, God is freely going to save anybody who puts their faith in Him and repents of their sin. But you, you need to understand something in order to be saved. You have to have a certain amount of knowledge in order to be saved. And, and I want to freely give that to you if you haven't understood the things I've said in the past. And so that's just kind of a heart-to-heart from me to you. Please, when you're talking to people about their salvation, leave you being good out of it. I'm sure a lot of you all are great. Like You've done a lot of great things for me, but when it comes to having a right relationship with God, you are incapable of being good enough. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that you can be forgiven of your sin. And so I want you to see that it's Jesus who overcame the world, not you. The only way you can have victory and overcome the world is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So he did all the heavy lifting. We came to him in faith, believing who he said he was and having faith in him. Which leads me to what's the difference between belief and faith? So, belief would be understanding a head knowledge of what something that has happened. And so, there may be a lot of you here who say, well, I believe everything that I'm supposed to believe. I believe that, and this is, this is just the nuts and bolts of what we're talking about. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe the Virgin Mary gave birth to Him. And I believe He lived a perfect life and died as a sacrifice for my sins. And I believe that He rose from the dead on the third day. And to that I would say, fantastic. Well now, what's the difference between belief and faith? Because there is a difference. If you were to go over to the book of James, you don't have to, but you can. James chapter 2 verse 19. James says, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But you are willing, excuse me. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? And I just want you to know that if you say that you believe and you don't have works to back up your faith, your belief is futile because even the demons believe and shudder. And one of the things that I see all around our section of the Bible Belt is I see person after person after person acknowledge facts about Jesus Christ and they think that that saves them. Acknowledging facts about Jesus Christ, acknowledging facts about the Bible does not in any way, shape, or form save you. Putting your faith in and believing Jesus is what saves you. And you go, well, what's the difference? Brothers and sisters, somebody who believes something lives it out. Let me go to the book of Hebrews. I'll show you from the book of Hebrews exactly what I'm talking about. I'm in Hebrews chapter 11. And I want you to see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And then in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you go through person after person after person, Old Testament saint that was looking forward to the promises of God. And so what did an Old Testament saint have to believe or have to have faith in in order to be saved? You following me? Right? Because Jesus hadn't come to the cross yet. Give me a little head nod to make sure that we're all still awake. Okay. So Jesus hasn't come to the cross yet. And so you're not going to put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ because it hasn't been finished yet. Right? Like you don't know all of the details that we know if you live before the cross. Well, Adam and Eve sin, right? Back in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sin. God comes on the scene and Adam and Eve are naked and they're both hiding. And so God shows up and he says, why are you hiding? And they said, well, we're naked. Like, that's a pretty good reason to hide, right? And he said, well, who told you you were naked? And they said, the serpent told us we were naked. Well, they, they, Jesus, excuse me, God gets through all the facts and you find that the Satan uh, tempted them. They ate of the fruit and they sinned and now they're separated from God. And then when God shows up on the scene, he's got man, woman, and the serpent all on the scene and he dishes out consequences to each one of them. And he makes a promise in Genesis chapter three, verse 15. And he says that the seed of a woman is going to crush the head of Satan. And that's the first glimpse that you get that God is on the scene, he's in control, and he's going to take care of the problem of sin. And so how were Adam and Eve saved? Adam and Eve were saved by putting their faith that God was going to do the things that he said he was going to do. Looking forward to the cross. You're saved looking back to the cross. They're saved looking forward. And as each Old Testament saint lived through the scriptures, more and more in the scriptures was revealed about who Christ was going to be and what he was going to do. And those individuals were saved looking forward to what God was going to do, having their faith in him that he he is and he was going to do what he said he was going to do. And so you walk through this whole list. And when you get to the end of it, um, when you get to the end of the list and... Verse 39, it says, all of these gained approval through their faith, even though they did not receive what was promised. And so all of those Old Testament saints are saved by faith in God, looking forward to what he's going to do. And I want to briefly read through you some of these. And so now I'm in chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 32. And so he's, he's hit the big guys, right? He's gone through the heavy hitters. And then he says in verse 32, and what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, uh, the guy whose name begins with a J. You don't remember where he is. He comes from Judges probably. I didn't remember where he came from either. And then of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword and they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised." 
Because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. And so all of these things, right? All of these things, conquering kingdoms, acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, all of those things they did through faith. None of those people were commended for believing. What they're commended for is living out that belief, and that's what we call faith, right? You believe that this stage is going to hold you, and so in faith you walk onto it. Faith is the working out of your belief. And so when somebody says, I have faith, James is going to say, not Pastor James, but the brother of Jesus James, is going to say, you say you have faith, show me your works, Because if you genuinely have faith, you'll have works to back it up. You with me? It's just natural. And so, brothers and sisters, what I want to to share with you is that when people talk about you, right? So I've been in this phase, uh, and it's a strange phase because people uh, all around us are getting sick and their health is, is not good. And so God, you can tell if you've been here, has just really been laying on my heart, listen, Uh, Bobby, you need to get with these people and you need to make sure of their salvation before they die, right? And listen, I'll do the same thing for each of you. Hopefully I get the chance before you get close to dying. And and what's been bothering me lately is that a lot of the people that I'm going to talk to, and and don't judge anyone based on the things that I'm saying because some of you and I are in the same boat. All the things that I've heard about some people who are in bad shape and you don't know them all, I've never heard anybody compliment them on their godliness. And that bothers me. Like, think about your funeral just for a minute. What are people going to say at your funeral? Are they going to say that you believed? Or are they going to have awesome stories of you walking out your faith on a daily life, proving to people that you put your money where your mouth was? Listen, man, at my funeral, I want my son's to stand right here. And I want them to tell you stories you've never heard before about me living out my faith at home with them. I don't want them to only tell you stories about hunting and fishing and all that other stuff. I want I want you to hear the inside scoop on stories about, yeah, dad took us hunting and we did a lot of cool things, but while we were in that tree stand, while we were in that boat, these are the things that we talked about and these are the things that he wanted you to know and carry on in your life. Brothers and sisters, we we are in a culture that thinks that they can give lip service to the one true king and he's going to accept it. But I want you to know that he sees through everything that you do that is fake. And he knows that you prove your belief by walking out your faith and doing great things for him. And so just let me ask you, man to man, pastor to lady. What was the last thing in your life that you did that took you to step out in faith and do it? What's the last thing that you stepped out in faith and did? Like, don't answer this out loud, okay? These guys are commended for conquering kingdoms, performing acts of righteousness, 
Obtaining promises, shutting the mouths of lying, quenching the power of fire, escaping the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And so this is where the bar is set, brothers and sisters. When was the last time you stepped out in faith? And if you're thinking of something... Don't take this a negative way, but but let me raise the bar just a little bit and say that whatever you're thinking, whatever the last thing you did stepping out in faith, let me ask you this question. Is that the best you can do? Like whatever it is that you've done stepping out in faith, just let me as a coach say, is that the best you have? Is that all you have for the king? So we serve a God who sent his son to this earth to overcome the world. And through our faith in him, we've overcome the world too. And what are you doing with your faith that Jesus Christ has overcome the world and you've overcome the world too? What are you doing with your faith, stepping out in it to please the Lord and serve the Lord? That's a really valid and important question. I hope that by way of application, that you'll go home and you'll stew on it. And you'll ask the Lord. You'll walk through questions with the Lord. And you'll say, God, what is it that you want me to do stepping out in faith? And if you're not used to living a life stepping out in faith, let me give you a, let me just give you a, a pull the curtain back and tell you what he's going to ask of you. Whatever he asks of you, you're going to think it's ridiculous. And if you tell anybody what he's asking of you, they're going to think you're crazy too if they're not walking with the Lord. Am I right, Dr. Tarkington? In my whole life, and in my life of watching people follow the Lord, people that walk by faith do things that don't make a bit of sense. And they do it in faith that, that they're trusting God to work things out. They give away the last of their money. And listen, I'm not even going to pass the plate again. They give away the last of their money. They feed people that no one else wants to feed. They joyfully do things that no one in their right mind would ever do. And it goes on and on and on and on. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you this Christmas season to step out in faith and do something that the Son of God is asking you to do. For some of you, you may have never invited anyone to church. Right, We're having a Christmas Eve service and we're having a service Christmas morning. People are more apt to coming to church at Christmas time than any other time of the year. Some of you might need to invite someone to come to church with you so that they can hear the gospel. Because if they come into this church, I'm going to share the gospel with them. So that may be what God is stretching you, wanting you to do. You may have never done it before. You may be somewhere else and God may be asking you for even bigger things than that. But brothers and sisters, we need to be living lives in faith. And I've told you before, I've leveled with you before and said, listen, sometimes it seems so simple to do things in faith and sometimes it seems ridiculous to do things in faith. I'm going to tell you about two times that are real small because I I, I know that you guys love these stories that I tell you. Well, so the whole town's flooded, right? And we're, we're ripping this lady's floor up and the lady is falling all to pieces that we're helping. She's not here, by the way, right? So don't look around and and think I'm talking about you. And the lady is all to pieces. And so I come from a a background where I used to build things in order to get through college. And so I'm in in builder mode, right? We're ripping this floor out. We're going to fix this lady's house up. I don't know why she's crying, 
because we're making things better. She should just really be excited, not crying. But she's emotional and she's crying. And I watch this old guy come from nowhere and he puts his arm around her and he says, hey, sweetheart, let's pray. And I'm thinking, gosh, what an idiot. Why didn't I think of that? Like, why did I not think that when this lady was going through one of the toughest times of her life, losing her house, why wasn't, as a pastor, the first thing in my mind to pray with this woman? And so he, in faith, prays with her. And you know what happens after he finishes praying for her? She's better. Like, her house is still a train wreck, but she, emotionally, is sustained by the power of Christ because of an old man simply put his arm around a lady and prayed for her. These are the things that we need to be more apt to doing in faith. And so because of that, I've been encouraged, right? And so you learn from these old guys. And so yesterday, uh, this is just an interesting story. Jordan Rose is getting married. And so I, I usually try to pray with the groom about an hour before the service starts. And usually my wife likes to pray with the lady an hour before the service starts. Just a, just a thing that we do as a couple. Well, uh, her youth pastor was involved with the service. And so I kind of cut my wife out of the process and got him to pray for her. Because he had more of a history with Jordan's wife. And so I pray for Jordan. He prays for her. And uh, beforehand, I said, Jordan, are you nervous? And he said, no, not really. I said, well, you're, I mean, you don't really have a reason to. You're only getting into uh, an eternal covenant that can only be broken by death. And so there's really no, no reason to be nervous about that. And uh, he laughed, and, and that was the end of it. Well, as we walk, as we walk outside of the venue, get some fresh air, and we're walking around to where the pastor and him come in, I look at him, and I'm like, wow, things have changed a little bit since the last time we talked. And he seems like he's a little more nervous now. And so I said, Jordan, you get nervous? And he said, I think a little bit. He's like, this isn't normal. I usually don't get nervous. I said, well, hey, man, let me, let me pray for you. And so he said, man, that'd be great. And so there's four of us there, and... Uh, we pray together. I pray that God would calm his nerves and that everything would go well. And then we blow through the doors and we're standing up front. And uh, it seemed like they had a million people in their wedding party. They were walking in, they're walking in, they're walking in. He had a lot of time to run. Uh, I mean, these people are steady walking in and they're not walking fast. Uh, and he looks at me and he says, he says, hey, uh, he said, you know what? I'm not nervous anymore. He said, your, your prayer worked. Why is that surprising to us? Like, I'm not knocking Jordan. Like, I'm, I'm just surprised as he is. I'm like, sweet, it worked. Like, like I still, I'm still not far enough along in my faith where I, where I wholeheartedly pray, believing that everything's going to happen. And so I'm like, sweet, that's great. It, it worked. Brothers and sisters, this is in First Peter. This is by way of encouragement for you as we leave. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. God loves you and the details of your life so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born in a manger, live a perfect life, die on an old rugged cross to save you of your sins. He overcame the world and he gives that overcoming of the world to you through faith. And we need to be the caliber people who take hold to our beliefs and we walk in faith each day doing the big and the little things that God calls us to do. We need to be praying for nervous people. We need to be praying for people who have just lost everything. But don't stop there. We need to be also in faith going to the ends of the world taking this gospel which 
which helps people overcome the world to them. And so we in faith need to be doing little things and big things as well. And brothers and sisters, I hope during this Christmas season that you will take a special effort to step out in faith and do some of the things that Christ is calling you to do. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, and we thank you, and we thank you that he overcame the world. And Father, we thank you that if we put our faith in him, then we have overcome the world also. Lord, I pray that we would be the caliber people who step out and walk in faith daily with you. Paul says that he has crucified his flesh and the life he lives, he now lives in faith. And Father, I pray that we would be those same sorts of people. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak loudly to us as we go throughout our day. Lord, I pray that you would bring people into our path that need prayer. I pray that you would bring people into our path that need us to share the gospel with them so that they can be forgiven of their sins. Father, I pray for those that are here who are anxious. Lord, I pray that they would cast all of their anxiety on you because you care for them. Father, I pray that as we go through this Christmas season that we would never forget the real meaning of Christmas. And that's that your son came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Father, we love you. Pray that you would forgive us where we fail you and increase our faith so that we can serve you the way that we should. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'd invite you to do that this Christmas season. John's going to come forward, and if you'll stand for a hymn of invitation. It's great to see you guys again this Sunday. I hope that all of you will come back and join us at 7 p.m. tonight uh, for our choir's presentation of the cantata. You will thoroughly enjoy the choir and the kids. Making sure we didn't have a special announcement from the kids' director. Uh, also, don't forget next week, we want all of you to come with us Christmas caroling. All right? Love you guys. I'll be praying for you. And I'm going to ask Dr. Tarkington, would you close us in prayer?